as we are heading into another winter of respiratory infections. I've been asked if I'm going to get the updated COVID or influenza vaccines. So guess what? I'm going to talk about it. Hey everybody, it's Dr. David. I hope that you're doing well um, in my continued push towards health freedom and people making the best decisions for themselves. Weighing the pros versus the cons of doing something, but also the pros and the cons of not doing something. We all must come to our own decisions and we all need to be respectful of where other people are with their decision making. Okay, and certainly to push somebody's thoughts on, on you. We don't like that. And we probably wouldn't. The, the other people probably wouldn't like that either. Okay, so. You know, wait, now we have an opportunity to get the new quadrivalent influenza vaccine. And we also have the opportunity to get a COVID shot, right? Now, um, because of this, um, you know, I just figured, hey, besides uh, sharing with you my thoughts and what I'm going to do, and let me be clear, this does not mean that I believe that this, what you would do. You may have different family members at high risk. You may be at high risk yourself. You may be somebody who's like, I can't believe that you're even going to talk to about doing vaccines in the first place, because I certainly know the people who are anti-vaccine who wouldn't even want to have anybody engage in these types of conversations because they feel that they all should be banned. And of course, there are many people who, and the opposite, feel that every single person should be vaccinated for everything, no matter who they are, and they should take nothing into consideration because it's the thing to do. And of course, there are many of us who are in the middle. So I want to dig a little deeper into that, right? Okay, now, first of all, let's talk a little bit about the COVID vaccine, okay? So, you know, I've shared in the past that I did choose to get the COVID vaccine when it first came out in the winter of 2020 into 2021, okay? I'm a healthcare provider. I'm a first-liner. I was coming in contact who were more likely to people who had never been had any immunity whatsoever right because there wasn't any widespread herd immunity from natural and of course there were no vaccines there and i as a healthcare provider felt it was best for me to go ahead and get the vaccines okay now um but i want to also talk though before i get into more about my decision um about what the official cdc status is about this and they say that all people no matter what should be taking a covid vaccine and the new one that is out, it can be done as a primary as the first vaccine, although certainly I have a suspected of a person hasn't had a vaccine by now that they're probably not going to start up at this point. I recognize that. But just, you know, the new one that is out that um, that has the the changes for the newer Omicrons, the, um, that's something that is available. So, again, I wanted you to know about it now, not just what the CDC says, but I've talked in the past about a couple very prominent vaccine researchers, advocates, people who are out there on the front line of these things. And the reason why I'm going to mention these two in particular is because I have found them to be the most level-headed understanding of differences and respectful of people's decisions. Now, one of them is Dr. Paul Offit. If you have been involved in the vaccine discussion for years, way before COVID. Dr. Offit was one of the people who was involved in the rotavirus vaccine, which um, in the development of that and some of the not so great things that came out of that, like blockage with interception. Um, and he was also certainly one of the few, one of the um, very strong people to say that vaccines were not related to autism whatsoever. Now, I take an approach that I take people for what they say and what they're saying, and that I don't do a group lumping of everything that a person does or does not say. I want to take what they say and face value. 
and with the merits of them. Okay. Now, Dr. Offit, because he's also a pediatrician, he's at Children's Hospital of Pennsylvania. And he also sits on the on the CDC vaccine recommendation committee, the authorization committee. So he was one of the, the, the scientists who would make or not make the recommendations during all of the emergency authorizations. And then when it came in for kids and he had been saying from the very beginning, first of all, questioning, you know, how much, you know, healthy kids needed it in the first place. OK. And he also has talked about when people who have immunity already, like how relevant is it for an otherwise healthy person? And so I, I you know, so I want to kind of bring through a few things that he did. So I'm going to re resort to my paper to make sure I have him quoted right. OK, so he's first of all, he is questioning right off the bat whether people need to be taking these additional shots, especially if they have past immunity from the disease, but especially, especially if they have hybrid immunity which means have had some vaccines as well as have the wild disease. Now, I would argue that if a person has had more than one case of COVID, maybe two or three, because a lot of people have by now, that they probably have as much immunity, if not more. In fact, I think there's a lot of evidence to show more than people who have just gotten, uh, a, um, who have gotten a COVID vaccine or the full series, okay? But he does also note something really interesting. So I'm talking about people who have had the vaccines already, okay? Now, he presented data that for a person who has had two doses of of the vaccine and then went on to get COVID at wild compared to a person who had three doses of the vaccine and then went on to get COVID. There was, so when a person had two doses, there was a 17% chance of catching COVID after that. Whereas if a person had three doses, it was improved by one single percent, down to 16%, which basically there was no added advantage of having a third or fourth, for that matter, um, booster. And he clearly has talked about that recently. Okay. Now, he actually has also said, I do not support the notion of trying to vaccinate everybody because I think we will have the biggest impact by focusing on high risk groups. And that's really something that I can stand by. You know, um, I agree. Obviously, high risk individuals, um, seniors, people who live in group homes, people who um, have immunodeficiencies, people who have cancers, um, you know, people have relatives in those. They may be at more risk. And now, of course, one of the things that we've learned is that the COVID vaccine, really the benefit wears off within several months. OK, but, you know, can some people, if they're trying to weigh the pros and cons, may they find that, hey, as we're entering into the winter season or I'm going to be visiting with my elderly or my infirmed family members, maybe I'm going to take a vaccine so I'm protected for the next few months because I won't be seeing them again till next year. And again, there's some validity to that argument. OK, of course, there's people who are going to disagree with that. But still, that's what, um, where, how I'm really coming from that. Now, the second person who um, I want to talk about is Dr. Natalie Dean. Now, she is a biostatistician who specializes in evaluating vaccines. She, I first learned of her when she was at the University of Florida, and this was really in the early days of the vaccine. And she too was taking a more nuanced approach, certainly wasn't an anti-vaccine person and certainly was supportive. But at the same time, she was really um, looking at, um, at on a case by case basis. Okay, she now is at Emory. Um, Emory is very affiliated with the CDC, so I'm not sure if it was a promotion, but I know that um, her voice continues to be heard, and I do continue to listen to her voice. Okay, now one of the things that she noted is that, and it's true, in 2020 into 2021, when especially you know 2020s when healthcare providers were able to get it into 2021, especially that spring when everybody else was able to get it, there was a very significant drop 
in people who got the vaccine in terms of hospitalizations or deaths. And I'm not talking about people who were hospitalized with COVID. I'm talking about people who were hospitalized because of COVID, because there was certainly a lot of talk that if you had COVID, it would be written on your chart and then it would be put into the numbers. And there's been other research that has tried to eliminate that. So you have to be brought in because you have COVID, COVID pneumonia, one of the other serious complications that were involved. Um, and so there was that initial, but of course, there is now herd immunity right? Hybrid immunity, herd immunity, vaccinated immunity, but there is widespread immunity. It's felt that 96% of all people now have immunity. Okay. So she goes on to say, or she says, now we are in a very different situation than we were a few years ago. And I don't think anybody can argue with that particular thing, whether you believe the pseudo vaccines, infection, um, less um, strong infections, all of that. But certainly we're not seeing thousands of people dying a day. We're not seeing tens of thousands of people being hospitalized today. So I think that that's a pretty safe fact to say. Now, she also um, went on to like, talk about, because, you know, a lot of the studies that have been done are observational studies. And, of course, observational studies are not the best way because you're kind of looking back at what happened. The other types that the consider always the gold standard are what are called randomized clinical trials. Now, of course, you know, that means that you you start here and then you do an intervention. So you give half the people the vaccine and half the people not or some number, and then you see what they go on to get. Okay. The issue that she points out with them, and although those types of studies are now coming out, is that by the time that inf that those types of study, the data has been collected, that the information has been gathered, there's already new strains right? Or new variants, I should say, um, of the virus. And so, um, you know, because this study came out regarding this particular variant or subvariant, and even among the Omicrons, does that necessarily mean that the vaccine is providing protection for the next one that comes around? And I think that that is a really, really valid statement. Okay. And of course, because of all the herd immunity on top of that. So weaker vaccines, but different, I mean, weaker viruses, but different um, viruses relative to whatever it is that they're trying to create in a vaccine today. By the time it's out to the public, we've moved on. Now, granted, and thankfully, we have been in the age of Omicron for a long time now, almost two years. That is a really good thing because we haven't seen a new Greek letter. Remember we had alpha, um, beta, delta um, after the original strain. So we've been in Omicron and it does seem as if everything going forward, at least for the time being, there's really no evidence that we're gonna get a new, um, a new um, Greek alphabet letter there. Although of course you never can say for sure. But of course, the longer it stays in Omicron world, that's what most people have had at this point. So again, there's that natural immunity for you. OK, um, now, what about me? Ha, right now, I, as I mentioned, I've had it. I did get the vaccine twice before. I had no problems with it whatsoever. OK, I know a lot of people and a lot of the big headlines, what people talk about are people had negative reactions. And of course, I'm not downplaying it. Those things do occur. But many people don't go out and make a video saying, hey, I got a covid vaccine and I did fine. Right. We kind of hear it. So there's a little bit of self-selecting bias in terms of the people who are reporting bad versus good outcomes from them. But I myself did not have any problems with the two vaccines either. OK. And again, I explained why, because I was a, a, a frontline healthcare worker. Now, when it came around a year later to the first booster OK, and the new change, I did also choose to get that one because because of my family history. I know I've talked before about how my mom had developed ovarian cancer how she had to go through chemo, how I was going down there and being with her. And I just could with her immunodeficiency from the chemo, I just want, didn't want to be the person to, who would have given it to her. And I was spending nights in the, in the hospital room with her back when she was home and helping take care. So for me, knowing that I had no problems with the first two, I took a third. I had no problems with it whatsoever. Now, a few, now about a year after that, though, so I think it was like a year ago last summer, 
or you go this past summer, I should say. So a year and a half ago, um, I did catch COVID. And for me, it was like a mild to moderate cold. It certainly didn't have flu-like illnesses. I didn't have high spiking fevers. I didn't have the sweats. I didn't have the shaking chills. I didn't have the prolonged fatigue or any other issues with the wild disease. Now, is that because I had great vitamin D and zinc levels? Is it because I started my vitamin A and the rest of my immune protocol right away, which I still have up for in our um, in our Patreon and for our patients in the patient portals there for the for you there? So of course there were a lot of things that I did different. Now after a few days, I kept on testing positive, and I'm like, I gotta get this out of my body because I couldn't go back to the office at that point. So I actually decided to take Paxlovid, and I did see a very quick recovery in terms of this completely normalizing my symptoms, as well as getting rid of the virus. Now, it definitely caused me some abdominal distress, um, more just in terms of just like nausea, not vomiting, diarrhea, and a bad taste in my mouth, which cinnamon actually seems to be a good masker of that. But I did very well with it, and I would have no qualms with taking it again if I looked like I was having anything more than a mild cold that was lingering. Okay, so now... You know, one thing that did happen is I did have a cost that did last for a while. Now, again, that was during Omicron. So I had Omicron already. And now this new shot that's out there is also for an Omicron. Okay. So I made the decision that I am not going to be taking another, um, this, this new shot and, you know, other ones that come along. And of course there's a different Greek alphabet. I may, I may change that around too, but I'm not planning on getting more, um, COVID shots at this point. Okay. But I also know that, um, you know, that, you know, immunity does last longer when people have wild, who, who have had wild infection. And I know I have um, hybrid immunity right this. So that's the decision that I've made. Again, not saying what's what I would do if I were you, because I don't make those kind of statements, but figured people want to know. So I ask, I mean, people wanna, have asked what they want to know. I want to know. Boy, I didn't say that right. I will tell people because people are asking. That's what I meant to say. Now, you know, I do also want to point a few things out, though, because I do have diabetes. It's well under control blood pressure, great. My cardiologist tells me that my heart um, vessels and my carotid vessels clean as a whistle, like a, like a teenager says my heart's not going to be the thing that takes me out. Um, and so because of all of those things, that's also why I feel like even though I do have the diet diagnosis of diabetes, my sugars are under control. And so I don't look at myself as being high risk. If they were out of control, maybe I would do it different. Okay. Now, of course, mom is now cancer free. Thank God. So I don't have to worry about that risk. Her immune system does seem to have been rebounded. But also, both of my parents who were in their 80s, they did choose to get this new um, this new version of the COVID shot. So I'm also less concerned about, at least during the holiday season, <laughs> passing anything along to them as well. Okay, now let's talk about influenza because it's really kind of different, okay? I do terrible with influenza. I've, I got flu shots during med school and residency, I had to do it. But at the same time, um, I then stopped doing it for a while and I had such sickness twice where it wasn't just a flu-like illness with the shakes and the chills but i would be breaking out in fever sweats for weeks afterwards i lost hearing in one ear i had ringing in the ear in the other i couldn't think and this went on it was like encephalopathic and this went on for weeks and weeks and weeks and then a couple years later it happened again since then i started taking my annual flu shot again i am planning on getting another flu shot this season but i'm going to wait a little bit i'm going to wait till we start hearing cases are starting to rise because we also know that the immunity is not going to last forever so if i'm going to do this i want to time it out where it would give me the best protection overall okay so you know that's where i'm at from right now and again It'd be interesting to say, I, I know that people will comment about this, but of course, with everything, share your thoughts as well. What are you going to do? What are you going to do for your family? All right. Well, hope everybody makes it through the respiratory season relatively unscathed and have a great day.